0: This morning, before we even get into the sermon, we're going to have a time of communion. And you should have seen the little cups in the back there at the tables. If you, if you haven't got one, please feel free to grab one at this time. But uh, we're going to take this together in just a little bit. Um, we'd like to pause, though, you know, just to marvel at the fact that Jesus so long ago instituted you know, this bread this, uh, this wine, this juice, uh, for the sake of us remembering exactly who he is and what he's done for us. And it, it's almost like uh, the whole reason why we are even here, you know, why we even gather here. Sometimes I think we, we get sidetracked into some of the reasons why we, we gather is to see each other, which is not a bad thing and not wrong, to listen to preaching, which is not a bad thing. I'm kind of in that business. It's not wrong, but I'm not so sure it's the reason. I think the reason is because we serve a risen Savior, and we're here to worship Him. We gather because we believe. We gather because we desperately need to worship Him. And we, and communion is a part of worship, so much so, (laughs) if you really think about what Jesus Jesus instituted. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a moment and read a scripture, and we're going to use that as our prayer for communion, and then right after I read that scripture, we'll just have a little time of silence in prayer before we take, and here's what I would love for you to do. I'd love for you to really listen to the scripture, and maybe in your prayer, use something, some words in that passage that really struck you to be thanking God for what he did in Jesus. And then I will lead, it after a little time of silence, then I will lead us in taking the bread and, and the cup. Romans chapter five, verse six through eight. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus said to his disciples, Take and eat, for this is my body. and take and drink of the cup, for this is my blood that is shed for you. Father, we praise your name. For you saw fit to become one of us, to to come here to be with us, and to walk with us, and talk with us, and to die for our, for our sake. Oh, because you loved us. Father, help us to never, ever forget that's your pure motivation. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a second chance at life. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Okay. I'm just kind of curious, how many of you are teachers? Just curious. Wait. You know, be proud. Some of you don't want the kids to see. Maybe you're not Yeah, great. Thank you. And the only reason I ask, I want to say special shout out to teachers for all sorts of reasons. And for the main reason, however, is because uh, I went to school. <laughs> and I just... I can't help, in fact, I've reached out to a t- couple teachers at some point in the last few years uh, to let them know how deeply sorry I was that they had to be my teacher. Uh, I was not, I just, I just had moments, that's for sure, in school. And uh, there were some things, some things about school, I, you know, just like everybody, really like some things. Don't like so much, um, which was mainly just most subjects. But I think the thing is, when you... when you, I've been, as I've gotten older, I started to realize this. And maybe I'm wrong, and that's fine, because that wouldn't be the first time, so my wife tells me. So here's the thing. I think this theory I have is that there are certain subjects you're either good at or you're not good at in school. And the more people I talk to, the more I find that there are certain subjects that are related for some reason. Like for instance, if you're good at like math, then you're also probably good at science. Now I may be wrong, because I was not good at either one of those. Now you, some of you may be good at English. Usually you're pretty good at history. Those, can, those two kind of go together. Uh, and I wasn't very good at those either. I was good at typing to a certain extent. And uh, home ec. I thought I was good, but apparently I didn't get a, I didn't get a very good grade. Because my bread or whatever. And never mind. Here's the point. I actually, uh, there, was one, there were some classes you really, really liked and you loved looking forward to going to. And I actually kind of enjoyed English. Uh, and uh, I loved the, I know that you might be surprised by this, but I loved the speech part. Now, most people hate that. In fact, you, in fact, I've read somewhere that next to death is the scariest thing for people in their life: is getting up and speaking in front of anybody. Am I right? Some of you. Okay, nobody raised their hand, so you, uh, we're going to put you on the preaching schedule <laughs> here soon. Because no, and, and there's still butterflies; I still get terrified coming up here. Sometimes, you know, that kind of thing. But for the most part, uh, for some reason, I always kind of gravitated towards that, and I, I think I felt, I kind of lo- started to love it when there was an English class we had where a friend of mine and I would have competitions in speech class because uh, we thought, they would, they would give us these speeches where didn't have to turn in anything. So we always had this competition where who can go the longest without anything in their mind before they can turn around and give the speech, Right? And so we would whistle and hum music on our way up to give the speech. Anything we could get our mind distracted, not to think, turn around, and then all of a sudden give the speech. It was awesome. And we had the dumbest speeches, but we got A's. It was, I, mean, I did a book report one time in a book I never read. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But I read the back part of the book, you know, in the Cliff Note kind of version or whatever, and then I gave an oral book report on it. did pretty good. <laughs> I've never read it um I just love that I love I didn't know anything about math I mean math was just I'm just being honest math just was awful for me I am, I praise God for all the people who know math um algebra what does that even mean uh when you start adding letters and stuff it doesn't make sense to me like and then geometry what was that I, I, I remember first time I was in geometry hearing the word postulate you remember this word I thought it was a medicine. I mean, have you taken your postulate today? Because you might have this acute hypotenuse act up in your radius bone. That's where my mind is going. I just, I just could not get my mind around it. It just was not for me. I don't know and it just, it just wasn't. Now, I had, i am just being honest, I had some things, you know, going on in my life when I was a kid, and it was just, school was just kind of tough in some ways when it came to it was It was rough, uh, but anyway, now, what in the world does anything I just said have to do with this sermon this morning? Not much <laughs> we 've been talking about prayer, but I want you to hang with me through this but uh, we 've talking about prayer, and we we 're uh, in a in a week where we 're going to talk about scripture prayer say so what what is scripture prayer Well, honestly it 's really uh, I'm hoping this is a very practical sermon for you because the way I look at scripture prayer is that if I'm a person who needs to pray, uh, which is everyone, <laughs> then I there's sometimes no about you, but I get in a in a rut. You know, I don't really know what to what to pray, uh, or I just it just isn't coming. You know. And so I, I hope this is very practical for you to show you how to pray. But I want to talk to you first before I get into that. I want to share a couple scriptures uh, that mean a lot to me. Because I, this, this to me, these scriptures kind of reflect, if you will, a goal, at least that I have, for you and for me. And, and let me go ahead, let's go ahead and read the first, the first passage. It comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. And Paul, Paul is writing this to some friends. Uh, it's a letter, you know. And in the middle of this letter, he says, and you show that you are a letter, the people he's talking to, your letter, your lives are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. What do you think he was talking about with tablets? You know, Charlton Heston, right? Ten Commandments, I mean, that's that's where my mind goes back, and that's exactly where he's going. And basically what he's saying is the law of God the word of God needs to be on your heart, not in a tablet. Now, he actually, I think, borrows this from a couple different Old Testament passages. Let me read those real quick. Let's go through it. Jeremiah 31, Oh, I got it behind me. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I love this. I love this. God, from the very beginning, has never changed his mind, he wanted his people. You know, Paul tells us later on in the New Testament that we are his people. You know, we talk about the chosen nation, and the Jews and the Israelites, you go through the Old Testament, but now we are all Abraham's descendants, Paul says, because of Jesus. He's always wanted his people. And let's go on to the next passage, and this is Ezekiel 11, 19-20. I will give them one heart, a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh uh, that they will may, may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them and they shall be my people and I will be their god. Do you see anything about books there? Heart. You see, my prayer for us as the church for you, for me is that we might be people who know God. That we might be people who rely on the Holy Spirit and not on humans. Then we might be people who rely on the word of God and not on the word of man. You see, I don't know how many times the scripture talks about things like it says in James, You who lack wisdom, who should you ask? God. We got way too many Christians asking everybody else before God. I'm not saying good counsel is not in the Bible. Because it is. I'm not saying that there isn't something about us learning from each other. But what I am saying is that it seems to replace our relationship with God Almighty sometimes. And that's not the intention. Never should be. Now, let me move on to why should we use Scripture for prayer? There, is no, there isn't really a Scripture that says, hey, you better use Scripture for prayer. But I think there are times in life When we need to turn to people who had the word of God written on their hearts. You know what I mean? And the scripture, obviously, we believe is the inspired word of God. And so there are times I need to turn to the scripture to really learn how to pray. There are situations like this. What about when you, and here's I'm going to tell you straight up before we uh, move on. I'm going to be hitting a lot of scriptures. Boom, 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 boom today. And I hope, hope these are things that are practical for you that you can write them down. But I'm, I'm, I am going somewhere with this. In the end, we're really going to hit something. But r- real quickly, I just want to say, I think these, this is just helpful. It's been helpful to me in my life. That's all I can say. I'm just one guy sharing with, with you what has been helpful to me when it comes to times of my life when I desperately didn't know what to pray. And... I had to turn to the scripture to find people who knew what to pray, (laughs) or using the scripture to pray has just been such an advantage for me to get to know God Almighty, the inspired word of God. All right, Uh, when you feel alone, there are passages, now I want to say, also, this is not exclusive. In other words, I've picked a few passages that mean something to me, that I wanted to share with you today, of of where I get some things for my prayer life. I'm not going to be sharing everything, <laughs> every scripture there is. That's for sure. There's way too much. But let me give you some special. When you feel alone, here are some passages I think will really help you in your prayers. Deuteronomy 31, eight. These are great things to write down in your Bible or something. But when you, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Wow, that's so, so encouraging to understand. Uh, what about Matthew, uh, chapter 27, verse 20, where Jesus talks about the Great Commission, go into the world make disciples, and at the end he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is so easy for us to forget that we are not alone. When you're going through the hardest of times, it's easy to think that you're the only one going through it. But it's not true. I love what Hebrews says. I don't have this on the screen. But Hebrews actually says that Jesus became like us in every way. He sympathizes with every weakness that we have. You know, I I can't help but think. The reason I even brought this up is because I think this is rampant in our lives. I think there are a lot of times we feel alone. And I think there are a lot of times the devil loves to use that time to make us feel sorry for ourselves to, to the point of where, where it paralyzes us to do nothing. And I'm trying to tell you that the truth is that your prayers need to be reminded as you pray to the Lord God Almighty that he has promised you he will always be with you. That he has shown you in the person of Jesus that he no- understands every weakness that you have. That he's never left your side and never will. That should juice up your prayer life a little bit, right? What about uh, the second one I, I, I thought it was this. When you just don't have the words. You do not have the words. And, uh, you can fill in the blank there. And I'm not going to cover everything. I realize this, but fill in the blank. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you just didn't know what to pray? You just didn't have the words. You need to turn to the scripture. You know, don't turn to the media. <laughs> you know, as, as, as great as the, that guy next door to you is, don't, you don't need to necessarily turn it. Turn to the scripture. And here's some, let me give you some good examples of what I mean when you don't have the words. What about in times of just, you're not sure exactly how to praise God? Gosh, there are so many great passages in the scripture. Let me give you one that is kind of not as well-known. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. Imagine yourself praying this. This is David's prayer. Pray along with David sometimes. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. We're already beyond my vocabulary, right? Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all, and in your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make make great and to give strength to all. So now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. What if you prayed that just once a day? Just took a moment just to read that and, and offer that as a prayer to God. Sometimes when you just don't have the words, you're going to find them with very godly people who are praying them for you in the scripture. There's nothing wrong with stealing their words. I did it all the time in school, no. <laughs> I wasn't a plagiarist. I had too much pride for that. But I definitely hopped on the back of very godly people right here. Who understood the relationship with Jesus? Here, here's, this, here's another. Uh, when you think of praise, here, the other thing you think I think of is this: when you're sad or in times of hurt, uh, Psalm six two through four and Psalm twenty three one through three. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Psalm 23, a very famous one that we usually read at funerals, but it's so sad that it's just been associated with just funerals because we talk about the comfort. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. Uh, what about another category here? I'm going to fly through these if we can. Thank you. Relationships. You know, whether you're having problems in relationships or or things are going first you know, Peter 4:8 and First Corinthians 13 are two of my favorite ones. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Gosh, I need that one. I need to be praying that one. Oh God, help me to love people to the point of where I cover it covers a multitude of sins. You know, you read through the Psalms, think of what David David was almost sometimes paranoid when you read this stuff. But he had reason to be with enemies and people after him and bad relationships. What about 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. The one I love to talk about, my wife and I have talked about is that one part of the passage in 1 Corinthians 13 it says love does not keep record of wrongs either. <laughs> I love that one. I <laughs> usually use it for myself, <laughs> kind of selfishly. But these are great prayers. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're having a hard time uh, with seeing clearly why you should mend a relationship or why you should care. Let's go on to the next one. What about anger, bitterness? Ephesians 4, 26, 27, the one I use. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Do we even realize that anger gives an opportunity to the devil? And I pray, God, do not let me be a tool of the devil. God, help me with my anger. See, I, 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 I'm just trying to explain how you can use the scripture for your prayer life. Uh, what's another, we have another passage, right? For this, when you need to be reminded of how much you need Jesus, this is a great time. When you, you know it in your own heart sometimes. You know in your own heart when you're just living a proud life. When you haven't taken the time to even pray. When, when, you, when you know that your heart is just living arrogantly. Sometimes you purposely need to decide to break out scriptures that remind you of how much you desperately need Jesus. Here's a couple of them that I use during those times. Job 38, two through four. Who is, the, who is that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you will make it known to me. Wherever you and I laid the foundation of the earth. I love this because it's one of the best scriptures where you're gonna find God being so sarcastic. It's so awesome. You know, Job is trying to figure all these things out in his life, and God just flat out tells him, who do you think you are? Where were you when I created everything? I'm sure you know everything. He takes like three chapters of just waylaying Job with this stuff. If you, you want more to pray about, just keep reading through Job 38 through 40. Uh, so uh, Psalm 51. When, this is a, you need to understand that this is a psalm that David wrote when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, about the sin that he, he had with Bathsheba. And Nathan kind of tells him this story about this, this, this guy who owned a, a bunch of sheep, you know, big shepherd, and the other guy had one, and the big shepherd took, stole the one and, from the other guy. and David's like, "I'm so mad. I'm going to make sure that guy is killed because of that crime." And he said, "But that's you. You're that guy." you had everything, but you took that one one woman from that one guy and had him murdered. God knows what happened. He knows you. And then David just falls apart. And this is something that he, part of a psalm that he read, that he wrote when he was falling apart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I know this has been these are really quick, but I would like us, if we can, just for a moment, how many times in your life do you really need to pray this? Because for me, it's just about daily. We need, we need to be reminded of who we are before God, and when that happens, it's like Peter on that boat when the fish started coming in away from me, I'm a sinful man, Jesus. I am. Um, I was in college, I had three years, three years of Bible college. Uh, I can't say I went to college for all the right reasons. I mean, at first, uh, obviously I told you I wasn't very really good in high school, so I barely made it into college. I went to because I got kind of recruited to play basketball, which, you know, looking at me, I know it's hard to believe, but. And uh, I, maj- I pretty much majored in uh, basketball, foosball, and uh, dating girls. Pretty much, that's pretty much what I did. And uh, my grades ended up showing it. Two years later, I got, I was put on academic probation, couldn't play ball anymore. And I wasn't sure where that, what to do. I, had to, I got done somehow through three years of Bible college. I spent a summer uh, living with a friend, just not know. I went through like three jobs. I was very aimless. I drove into an army recruiting station one day, joined that day, left three weeks later on a whim. Changed my life lots of ways, as you can imagine. In that time, got married, had two kids, came back, uh, back here to uh, Illinois, and uh, I was actually signed up to go to, I didn't know what to do, I really didn't know what to do with my life. Uh, God had been working on me, but I just, I didn't feel like I could go back to Bible college, I had a hard time facing people, you know, I was just, I was a, I was a mess. But when I came back, um, I was actually signed up to go to be a teacher, believe it or not. <laughs> and uh, I was signed up to Eastern to go, but my grades were so bad, it would've taken me like, I don't know how many years to, <laughs> to finish, right? <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but a little church in uh, Shelbyville actually asked me to help out with their kids i was back from the army i had actually worked there before on weekends they asked me to come back and so we did and they said why aren't you going to finish up bible college why aren't you going in the ministry and i said i i can't afford it you know it's just they said we'll 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 help pay your rent so i went back to bible college to finish went back the last year i had two little kids at the time living in an apartment next door The only money I had was my GI Bill and $150 on a weekend for youth ministry, driving to Shelbyville every day from Lincoln. It was a heck of a year. In order to finish, I had to make up some classes I didn't do very well in, so I had 21 hours one semester. I had 18 the next semester. I had a 3.98 grade point average. I don't know how. Yeah, I do know how. You see, what happened to me is that I started to care. It really is that simple. I want you to listen to me for a second. See, what happened in between times, the four years I spent in the military, I actually started to, to live and experience things that I had never experienced before. I started to meet people I've never met before. I started to have to figure out relationships and figure out how to be married and have kids. You know, I'm not trying to lecture you here. All I'm trying to say is this, is that when I came back to school, the only reason I did good at that point, to be honest, is because I cared. I cared because I knew that if I could just learn the Bible better, I could do better with my friend who I've been hurting for. I cared because I had a family that depended on me now. I cared because the eyes got off myself. Now here's here's what amazes me, and this is the absolute this just the absolute truth, in my opinion. We can preach and teach about prayer till we're blue in the face. We can give you all sorts of ideas and applications as a church, you know, whatever we can do to help. But the truth is, you won't pray until you care. You know, I, that's the way it is in my life. It really is that simple. Until I really start to see how desperately I need Jesus, how desperately I need God. I just don't pray. And why would I? I've, I've got to figure it figured out, see, life's going okay, or it's, or it's, or it's too busy, and, but I've got it under control. And the truth is, and you and I both know this, the truth is we don't have anything under control. And tomorrow may be our last day. And we all know that, but yet we move on from day to day, because you're a lot like me, I'm guessing, we move on from day to day, with the Bible that doesn't get read and prayers that don't get said because we're just too busy. You know, I've got a feeling that some of you, God has been working on your heart and in your life And again, we've been praying for this church. I know you have been praying. And, and, and this maybe some of the things I'm going to say don't apply to you, and that's fine. Let it go. But if it does apply to you, some of you need to repent today. Some of us need to decide for ourselves today that Jesus needs to be a higher priority, that 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 our prayers need to be real, that our prayers need to be said, that our prayers need to be lived. You see, the one thing I love about reading the scripture is I read about people who so passionately love God, who so passionately love Jesus. They didn't have it all together. They were so messed up but so much like me and so what I'm asking you this morning, <clears throat> I'm gonna ask you if you would to stand. And we don't we don't do this all the time, we don't do this very often all, all the time, but I, I, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And before we close out today, if there is any of if, if there are any of you here this morning who God has already been speaking to. It's got, maybe it has nothing to do with this message this morning. It's got nothing to do with what's happened even just this morning. Maybe it's something that's been piling on you for quite some time. And the Holy Spirit's been telling you, and God's been telling you listen, you need to get your life right with me. You've been putting things off, you've been too busy. You need to care. And I'm just, I'm just asking this morning that maybe you will walk from your seat down here. I'm gonna ask some of our staff or, or prayer leaders if they would, if, if they don't mind coming down here to receive people if needed. I, I pray you're not too ashamed or not too embarrassed. We're all in the same boat. I, I stand before you this morning as someone who desperately needs to be reminded of how desperately I need him. I stand before you as just ordinary, ordinary person. Do you realize how many others around you so desperately need you to change? How many people around you so desperately need your prayers to be real? How many other people are depending, without them even realizing it, on your prayer? for them we've been talking about that and we want to live it but if we're going to live it first we have to care so I'm just going to I'm just going to say one little prayer here I'm going to ask after that prayer as we sing if you need to come forward this morning if you need to talk to somebody if you need to just or just kneel down here somewhere and get right before God right now and ask him ask him to pour the scripture into you ask him to to give you a desire in your heart for the scripture Ask Him to give you a desire in your heart because we are to desire him it's about being not just having these these books of words but these words being in us and if that's if that's not you but you want it to be you come this morning father god i pray right now in the name of jesus father that you will just speak to us speak to us all individually as we need to hear you Father, there are people here right now who been, you've been working on for some time. Oh, Father, we just, we've just we been praying. Praying for, for us as a church, as, as a people, to start to depend upon the Holy Spirit and not on ourselves. To depend upon the Holy Spirit and not just the world. Oh, Father God, separate us, make us holy, make us right. Oh, Father, you... You died for the ungodly. That's us. Oh, Father, I just just pray that you will give us the words right now, the words that we need to say to you, the prayers that we need to pray right now to rejuvenate that desire for the Holy Spirit in our life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You come. Please keep praying up here. It's, it's fine. We are going to close, though, on a, on a scripture together that we're going to read. And let this be our prayer as we leave. I'm going to read, and the, the words that are in bold, if we can read those together, comes from Psalm 145. I will extol you, O my God and King, I bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Together. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts, and on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works I will meditate. Everybody, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. And your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Amen. God, bless the reading of his word and our prayer. Have a great week.